Welcome to 10 Minutes with the Gospel of John. I'm Stan Harstein, your narrator. I truly appreciate your willingness to set aside your daily distractions for the next 10 minutes so you can invest in your own spiritual life. If you have a comment on this DevoCast, please contact me using the email link located at the bottom of the website page. It's time now for today's episode. Episode 10, Glory. The Word came in human flesh and resided among us like a nomadic traveler. Then we saw the Word's glory, a glory associated only with one uniquely with the Father, glory filled with grace and truth. John 1.14 Where does one begin discussing the glory of God? Glory unlike any other, glory incomparable and immense, yet glory visible and recognizable. God's glory is truly no mystery. As this gospel indicates, it is observed when God is present among humans. In the Old Testament, the Greek word doxa is not always translated with the word glory in the Greek Old Testament. Other uses help clarify the breadth of this term. In the Jacob story, his brothers-in-law were speaking against him and declaring that he had received all of his doxa from their father's possessions, thus depriving them of their doxa. Genesis 31 verse 1. In the Joseph narrative, Joseph commands his brothers to return to Canaan and tell their father about the doxa Joseph held in Egypt, a reference to his honored status and power. Genesis 45.13 Doxa, or glory, obviously can refer to elements which indicate one's personal standing or the abundance of one's possessions. After the scene at the Red Sea, or Sea of Reeds, the Lord prepares to show his doxa, or glory, to the people, despite their complaints. Moses indicates they will have meat to eat in the evening and bread to eat in the morning. At this point, the glory of God appears to be represented by the abundant provision he is able to share with his people. Exodus 16, verses 6-8 through eight. When Moses goes up the mountain of Sinai, the doxa of God appears as a consuming fire, and yet Moses is not consumed. Exodus 24, 16 and 17. In the Old Testament, glory possesses a broader sense of meaning than is often recognized, as though glory were only a bright light or a shining illumination when God is present. Elsewhere in John, the Gospel of John speaks of glory 19 times, including after the wedding at Cana, in chapters 5 and 8, in the Lazarus episode, and in chapter 17. These don't even include the numerous uses of its verb form, glorify. After supplying wine for a wedding which had run dry, the Gospel writer summarizes the event and the response by Jesus' followers. Jesus performed this first sign in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory. Then his disciples believed in him. John 2:11. Jesus' ability to provide abundantly during a time of need 
appears to be the focus of this revelation of his glory, as in the Exodus account following the Lord's deliverance at the Sea of Reeds. The story of Lazarus, what some consider Jesus' last sign, is framed by the language of God's glory. Before Jesus goes to Bethany, he speaks to his disciples to clarify what will occur, 11.4. Later, when standing before the tomb of Lazarus, Martha is not fully certain as to what Jesus seeks to accomplish by opening the tomb, and she becomes concerned about the smell that may be released. He reminds her of something he said earlier, although it is not recorded in this episode. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? 1140. The context seems to indicate that God's glory will be revealed in the activity of Jesus, specifically waking Lazarus from his sleep slash death. Chapters 5 and 8 share similar conversations around the issue of seeking and receiving glory, either from men or from God. In this case, glory is more appropriately identified with honor, as in the Joseph narrative. The episode in John 5, after the lame man was healed by the pool of water in Jerusalem, focuses on receiving honor from men. It begins with Jesus emphasizing that he does not receive glory slash honor from men, John 5:41, and closes with him discussing their penchant for doing so and the repercussions. How is it possible for you to believe the one God sent when you are receiving honor from others and do not seek the honor that comes from God alone? John 5:44. Jesus clearly identifies the ability to believe with seeking God's honor, perhaps providing a framework for Jesus' later discussion with Martha. During the lengthy prayer of Jesus recorded in John 17 at the time of the Passover festival, the discussion of glory appears to center on where glory resides. Jesus' activity had given glory to the Father, and he requests that he might share that glory as he once did at the beginning, John 17:5. Later, Jesus indicates that the glory he himself had received as the Word become flesh has been given to these disciples for whom he prays. The outcome of such glory is oneness or unity. 17.22 Finally, he prays that these disciples might see the glory he once had at the beginning as the Word with God. Glory, it would appear, is more than a shining illumination of God's presence, but embraces the fullness and power of the Divine Trinity. Before Jesus heals the blind man in the city during the Festival of Booths, he describes this particular incident as demonstrating the works of God, John 9.3. The once blind man credits Jesus with his enlightened condition when asked by those whom he encountered on the pathway. The man called Jesus made some clay and applied it to my eyes, then told me to go to the Siloam and wash them. So I went, I washed, I see. John 9.11 Later, he is questioned by the religious leaders, and he tells them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed. Now I see. John 9.15 After searching further for an alternative solution to this situation, these leaders call him back 
and urged him to change his opinion of how he could now see. Then they called the man who was blind a second time and told him, Give God glory. We know that this man who healed you is a sinner. John 9.24 In this incident, as with so many others, glory is associated with one who has authority and power to provide beyond the expectations or even the wildest imaginations of humans. Concluding Thought What was revealed in the life of Jesus of Nazareth? He did not rule Egypt like Joseph. He was not a leader for 40 years like Moses. Instead, Jesus allowed humanity to see the true glory of God, a glory defined by grace and by truth. God is not merely an inapproachable light or a consuming fire by nature, although he is both, inapproachable to some and consuming others. God's glory is seen in his provision to his people and in his concern that lies would not inform our view of his creation. Jesus provided directly to the many in desperate need around him, thus undermining the social fabric that perpetuated a false story of God's provisions. Jesus brought truth in his words, thus confronting the lies found in the words of others. The glory of God is the life of Jesus, both then and now. I do hope you will invest additional time to write down any insights or questions that came to you during this 10-minute audio journey together. After all, a short pencil is better than a long memory. This DevoCast is composed and narrated by Stan Harstein. All rights reserved.